Hi, friends. Welcome to God Stories. I am your host, Cassie, and I am so glad that you're here with me today. This is where I have on my friends, both new and old, to share their God stories. From the big, aha, miraculous, life-changing moments to the ordinary, everyday moments that are oftentimes the very extraordinary, life-changing ones. My hope is that you're encouraged. My hope is that you're sometimes challenged. My hope is that you feel welcome and enjoy today's episode. Hey friends, today is a unique and special episode. I had a friend really, uh, my mom was really good friends with her and I got to know her a little bit through my mom. Her name was Rachel and I had asked her to share her God story when she was fighting a battle with colon cancer. And she said, yes, uh, her voice, um, she had something going on with her throat at the time, but she said when that got better, then she would be on. And she passed within a couple of weeks after that. So really my mom had the idea a long time ago, and I just thought it was a great one to have some of the people in Rachel's lives that was the closest to her to share and capture Rachel's God story. So some of you probably remember Tarsha from a previous episode. She is back on. She was great friends with Rachel. Welcome back, Tarsha. Thank you. And I'm just going to ask a couple of questions um, so we can all hear Rachel's God story. Tarsha, will you tell us how you knew Rachel? So Rachel and I are actually high school classmates, um, but we reconnected in 2015 at the church. So um, we got pretty close during that time, and we just became great friends until she unfortunately went home to be with Jesus. And she wasn't sick at the time y'all reconnected? No, she wasn't. She was full of life and just Rachel. I mean, excited and bright-eyed and happy and the girl who loves the Astros. She's the first person who made me pay for Astros tickets. (laughs) (laughs) And she had, I'll never forget, her hair was just so thick and beautiful. I never saw her have a bad hair day. Like her hair was gorgeous. And she always thought she had a bad hair day. And we were like, (laughs) girl, please, do you want to (laughs) trade? And then what, okay, so what do you think that Rachel would want everyone to know about God and just about her God story? I think Rachel would want people to know that in spite of the outcome, that God was sovereign. I think that she really, um, really did not like the diagnosis, but she never blamed God. She leaned into God. She wanted more of God and she really um, wanted her children to know God. Um, but I would say before the cancer, um, in my opinion, God was preparing Rachel for that because she was really, really, um, pouring into her children. She was talking to Hudson about character. She wanted him to know, um, if you're hanging out with people who are mean to others, they are probably not good people. And so you know, you need to separate yourself from them. Um, She invited me to his baptism and all of this was occurring when she was not sick. There was, we weren't even talking about cancer, right? So she was just loving on her boys and giving them a firm foundation. And thank God she was ahead of that, right? And so in some ways, in hindsight, God was probably really just giving her the insight are preparing 
life for them through her um, to have a spiritual walk with Jesus um, for a time such as this. Was Hudson in junior high then, do you remember? Or um, already in high school? No, he was definitely, he was young. So I want to say he may have been just going to junior high. I, I'd have a picture. I, yeah. I can look back at it. But I think it's like 2017 that he got baptized. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And, I mean, she had lots of friends come and celebrate with him and just really made sure they were excited about Jesus. She sent him to summer camp and she was just an awesome mother, but she's just an awesome person, right? She's just the, the friend that like anybody would want. Like you didn't get to whine around Rachel. She's like, okay, it's great. What's the problem? Okay, now you get a day, deal with it. And then we're going to pick ourselves up. So, I mean, I kind of alluded to that at the funeral, but she was just that friend who wanted you to win. And I mean, she was going to pull you up out of the mud, but she wasn't going to leave you there. So, wow. Yeah. And then when did she get sick with cancer? It was, um, I think she, yeah, it, I do. It was, I think she found out it was cancer September, 2019, 2019. Mm -hmm. And she passed in 20. 2022? 2022, yeah. Okay. So she actually did um, live longer than they gave her in her diagnosis. She she was a fighter. Um, but I think I saw God move in her life because when she first got the cancer, um, I took her some gift cards. They had like a food train going. I'm not a cook. So I'm like, okay, let me deliver gift cards. <laughs> and at that time, I had just started dating my who's now my husband, Paul. And she looked at me and she was like, I don't want to go through this by myself. Like, I really want somebody. And then um, we would be talking, you know, I'd be at work and we'd be texting and everything. And so December came and she sent me this text and I was like, so how's Christmas going? And she's like, good. She's like, I'm dating someone. And I was like, what? And then she said, do you remember Dwayne? And he was also our high school classmate. I was like, I think so. And so she shot me this picture of them. And again, that was another God nod to her. Like, those were the times where, in my opinion, she knew that God had not left her because initially she thought she might have to go through that alone. And Dwayne just came in and, you know, gave her, I think, an extra six months of life because they just were on it, having a great time, just, you know, and I'm just so thankful that she had that in the end. So he knew she had cancer when he started dating her? He did. He wow. actually had been off of like Facebook for a while and then he came on and then she had the deal where she had beat cancer and then anyway they started dating and it was just a beautiful time in her life and she just lived life to the fullest at the end. She And she encouraged everyone else too but what I would say about Rachel and watching her go through this is that she was gracious, she was kind, and she wanted everyone to get themselves checked, but she also wanted everyone to not focus on anything petty because she was like, this. the, the cancer just gave her just like it's not worth it just let it go 
you know, so she was that friend who was like, mm-mm. But in, in her prayer request on Facebook that she was so good and she had so many friends, I really do think that she um, exposed a lot of people to Jesus. Probably some of her friends on Facebook, she probably had two or 300, had never heard of Jesus. But just the way she went through um, her situation with grace and um, just she was always thankful to God. She didn't believe that God failed her. Like, I feel like some of us, because we wanted more time with her and she wanted more time, but in the end, she knew that God didn't fail her. And so when she would ask for prayer requests, they were very specific. And that is only someone who could ask the way she did request them very detailed is someone who you knew was very, very in tune to God, to Jesus, to the Holy Spirit and she just wanted more of that and more of him and she wanted anybody who hadn't heard of him to get some of Jesus get some of that because he was good in spite of what she was going through that's incredible that's incredible thank you Tarsha you're welcome is there anything else you want to share about Rachel or anything that sticks out to you I mean I think in the end I would just say that don't waste time. Don't waste time. Um, love on those who love you. Fight for the things that are important. And if you don't know Jesus, get to know him. That would make her so happy. Because that means you would see her again in heaven. So good. Jenny, welcome. Thank you. Would you introduce yourself and then you can just go into how you knew Rachel. My name is Jenny Geyer, and I um, I knew Rachel when I was Jenny Goodart. Uh, we met in the second grade in Bear Creek, which was kind of like a euphoric neighborhood where um, everyone still trick-or-treated and rode our bikes and played all day in the streets, and our moms volunteered at Bear Creek Elementary, and so um, we grew up together. We went to through elementary, junior high, and high school together yeah. and uh, kept in touch for way too many years after, which it, this is our 30th and um reunion coming wow. up in july i think that's so special and rare to have a friendship for that long friends that are that close um to be friends that long is really really unique and special um if you want you can just go straight into what rachel meant to you and to her story okay well yeah and so rachel and i um we were friends throughout all of that time, you know, sometimes closer friends, sometimes not. She lived in Austin for a while. She went to Baylor, I went to a &M. You know, Rachel lived the good life and graduated quickly and did, um, and did great stuff. I took forever and went <laughs> on the Texas tour through, um, through all the universities. But we would always get back together when we'd be back in Bear Creek. Or then, you know, at, I was at Rachel's wedding and um, that's all that Rachel ever really wanted in life. You know, she lived this, you know, very Baptist upbringing where her mom was one of six and her dad was the youngest of 19. Oh my goodness. Which is, um, you know, a lot of kids and, you know, a lot of history from Louisiana and Waco. Um, and Rachel loved all the, the cousins and the little kids. And that was always like just a dream of hers to be married and have her babies. And so um, Rachel got married after Baylor. Um, and then went on, you know, she had a great career at Dell and she was smart and 
witty and like very, very, very quick tongued. <laughs> like you could never get in a fight with Rachel ever because she was not going to lose that fight. <laughs> like she was, she was hardcore. You know that that she was going to be um, right in that situation. Uh, but later in life, she actually kind of softened a little on that, and it was easier for her to say, um, "Okay." You got me. I was wrong on that one. So it's kind of an interesting change, I guess, as we get older. Um, so Rachel got married, and then she, you know, she kind of quickly realized, I think, that it wasn't all she thought it, it was going to be. And, you know, didn't really maybe think she was married to the exact right person. And those signs started showing kind of early on, but still, you know, Rachel's stubborn, determined, and, you know, raised in faith and was going to try everything possible to make sure she had this family that she wanted. Then she was struck with infertility. And so there was, you know, years and years and years and lots and lots of money and lots and lots of tears of um, trying to have her boys. So I think it was maybe the second round of of, uh, IVF that she had Hudson. Um, She researched IVF to a tea. She knew everything possible. And she really, you know, Rachel was always steered towards God. Like that was a big part of her research and decisions on almost anything. So IVF, again, was a a big thought in her head of like, I really want this family. I really want this to, to work and to happen. And I'm willing to go to any extremes to make it happen but is it what god wants like and so that was always very much in rachel's mind when she was going through ivf um she had hudson he was a frozen embryo so she said he liked ice cream (laughs) um so she um she was super super happy to have hudson but again in rachel's mind and her plan and her god plan is that (laughs) that's what we're talking about uh, was more kids so again, she went down the IVF route. So that was pretty a pretty significant part of Rachel's marriage was trying to have her family. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I told this story at her funeral, but she, um, we had like a three-hour conversation of her finding out that she had tested negative for her last round of IVF. I mean, I can't even remember how many she went through. I mean, it might have been six rounds of IVF, including Hudson. So, you know, then four more, and I, I might have the numbers wrong, but it, it was extreme and expensive and, you know, a big toll on Rachel and her life and, and everything around that. So um, she then, like, said, oh, it's not going to happen. She bawled and cried and was just so upset about not the ability that she wasn't going to have another baby, even though she loved Hudson. Um, and then we went to a birthday party, and she gave me this card, and it was like, Oh, the big part of that is I was pregnant. Oh, wow. So, but I hadn't told Rachel because it seemed like a really bad time Uh, to tell somebody that (laughs) you're pregnant. You know, so, and I was like, I had to be like three weeks along because um, uh, Camden is around the same age as Gareth. Okay. So we went to a birthday party and it was a one-year-old birthday party. And she gave me this card at the end and said, don't read it till the card. And so I read the card in the car, and it was like all this nice stuff about me. And I'm like, oh, you're such a special friend, and you always lean me towards looking to God, and da 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 And I was like, oh, that's nice. And then it said, love, Rachel, and at the end it said, P.S., I'm pregnant. <laughs> and we were like, 
what? I mean, get out of town. Like, so I called her and I'm like, I'm pregnant too. And then it was like a really fun journey. So she had Camden. So she got pregnant with him through IVF or not IVF? Oh, through IVF. Oh, through IVF. Okay. It was the very last day that you could test positive for IVF. I don't even know. Like, I don't know what that day number is. Right. Like, she had already tested negative and thought, yeah this is it you know like that was i promised like david this would be our last round and you know like because it was just hard on everybody yeah and um that's amazing so she was pregnant and y'all got to walk that journey together being pregnant together yes and it was so fun and so great and we have pictures of us like back to back pregnant it was a really um it was really a fun time you know and like a great time for rachel because she's like you could always tell with Rachel, her mission in life was to have those boys. Mm-hmm. Like that was just, you know, like in being pregnant, she would, and she would tell you that she would have done it, you know, 10 times over. Yeah. You know, she would have ended up being like her grandmother and having 19 or something. <laughs> I mean, I don't think really she would have, but, um, <laughs> but she would loved having that baby and, you know, having those boys. And so that was like really special in that aspect. Um, and she was a stay-at-home mom. You know, they moved to Houston, which pulled Rachel and I closer together because she moved from Austin back to Houston. Um, and we just had, um, we had a good time, like, getting together with the boys and, and then my daughter and, and son, who was Camden's age. And um, then, um, then, you know, of course, you know, more trials and tribulations, you know, the... The marriage wasn't working. She had had tried very hard with her church. And then she finally um, went to Grace here and saw the preacher, I believe. And the preacher said, like, what, you know, what, what are you trying for here? You know, like, what, you don't think God wants you to be unhappy. Do you, you know, you've, you've tried, you've put your, you've put yourself in that situation and tried as hard as anyone possibly can so that's not god's will that you're miserable or unhappy or in a situation that that no thanks to yourself you know is is not where you should be so that was the beginning of like i think a different kind of god for rachel because it was a god that had grace you know that like she always knew god and knew you know but she wanted to live that walk that line you know that it was the the right line to walk and she did it and um so i think she got to breathe then and be like okay well maybe maybe i can you know still be a child of god still be you know the good woman that i need to be and also um get a divorce Mm -hmm. so and you know i really think that that was a beginning of a different rachel Because there was a lot of, um, you know, judgment is not the right word, but you want to be that, um, you know, you don't, you don't want to have a divorce. You don't want, you know, to, to have things that might not be looked at um, as the righteous path, I guess. And I, what I saw with Rachel, she she completely, her eyes opened and around her were all these people that might not be perfect and have not had perfect lives and not pretending to have perfect lives, but still be, you know, in the church and, you know, very godly and living a good life, even though there are imperfections that happen in, in, in people's lives. Mm-hmm. You know, not everyone, 
you know, is lucky enough to have that that path, you know. So, um, and were her boys pretty little when they divorced? Yeah, like um, Camden was four, four, and um, and Hudson was nine, I guess. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, they were pretty little, and Rachel like put a lot of effort into being a stay-at-home mom. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, she's smart as a whip. She was like, you know, the smartest girl, like you would ever know. She could, if she put her mind to something, she would do anything. So she ended up in these realtor classes and then ended up becoming a, um, a realtor. And man, she exceeded and excelled and also found a big group of supportive women, you know, like, um, like your mom, that, um, that she had seen going through, like had gone through things and were on the other side. And I think that was, a, um, that was another eye-opener. You know, like just just keep on trucking. Like you know, you and that's what that's what Rachel did. But um, then she um, she had this huge group of friends and people and everything, and was working towards that. And then you know, the cancer happened, and so. Uh, but I mean, cancer happened not long after her divorce. Because wasn't um, her oldest son like ten when she got cancer? Well, he was nine when she got cancer. So oh, he just so. turned 11. No, her oldest son. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, no. Hudson turned 16 a month after she died. So he was 14. When okay. So like five cancer. years after the divorce. Yes, five Give years. or take. Yeah. Right, right. Okay. So she had built this great group of friends and like had really, you know, like leaned in to other people and to, um, and to making her life a success. So it was really impressive. I think I met her during that time, like post-divorce before cancer, because I was going to the same church as her then. And that was really special just to get, I mean, anyone that knew Rachel loved Rachel. Yes. If you knew her just a little bit like I did or really well, like you, I feel like everyone loved her Yeah. and she was beautiful and just could never have a bad hair day. Oh my gosh. She had that hair since we were in second grade. Like seriously, the same hair since we were in second grade, that gorgeous flowing thick thick hair. Yeah. And then the fact that she got cancer and went through, you know, three rounds of chemotherapy and And um, didn't lose her hair. And never lost her hair. It was like unbelievable. Yeah. So what was it like then going into her cancer journey? What was that like for her? I feel like it was the um, the happiest Rachel's ever been. Wow! And I think that you know maybe God showed her that I would I would tell her that all the time. Like Rachel, you're the happiest you've ever been. Like, and I think it's 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 this feeling of you know obviously she's been kind of fighting things her whole life, right? You know, like you know infertility and her marriage and divorce and you know getting a career and so. All the pieces were kind of in place except for one. And shortly after she was this diagnosed with cancer, that one came into place because she had run into an old friend of ours from high school, Dwayne, at an Astros game, took a picture with him, and um, and I was like, wow, okay, Dwayne, okay. You know, and she's like, yeah, he wants me to help sell his house. And I was like, oh, that's cool. That's neat, you know, but like not really that much of it. And then, um, then things just started evolving after she was diagnosed with cancer once we were at like no label for her t-shirt and out for her birthday and fundraiser and uh, then you saw things really start to um, roll down the love line 
And um, yeah, he really became like the love of her life, right? Absolutely the love of her life. And the reason she beat cancer the first time, I'm 100% sure of that. Because while other people get cancer and are thinking about chemo and all in their body is full of like poison and Rachel had cancer and her body was filling up with poison and like endorphins. Like, I mean, she was like 24-7, like full of like all that like popping that made her want to kiss Dwayne. Like, it was, like, she was, she was flying high. And, um, so it was just such a great thing to watch. Yeah, it's like, and at the same time, such a, um, such a network of people, because Rachel didn't have a husband, and her mom did live out of town. And now, her mom came in town quite often to help Rachel. But Rachel had her mom work as the kids' role, so Rachel's mom would, would roll the kids around and do all of that. And her friends did the role of um, chemo keepers and doctor visitors. And so that's a really weird, special time that um, you have, you know, eight hours to sit with someone. Mm-hmm. And they're getting their chemo and you, you're talking for eight hours uninterrupted by television or other people. and. It's um, just a really, like, it's a special time you never would have with someone unless that happened. Now, you obviously wouldn't wish that upon someone to have it. But Rachel and I had a joke because when we were done with appointments, I'd always be like, oh, my gosh, that was so fun. And she'd be like, "Uh, for you or whatever, (laughs) because it's like it felt so good to just have that time with a friend that... um, that you wouldn't normally have you know we would sneak twice we snuck away to the zoo and um because we're right down there by um md anderson and that was really special so so i know she was in a lot of pain at times going through the cancer how do you think she could physically be going through such a hard time and so much pain yet be like you said the happiest in her life well i think you know you would see rachel i think about easter so last easter I'm going to tear up a little. You know, both Hudson and Camden were there. And we were having a big Easter party. I have a big Easter party at my house where we do an egg toss and we do, you know, we decorate eggs. Some of my favorite pictures of Rachel are from from then, you know. And um, so we're like, she's in like doubled over terrible pain, you know, like, oh, it's so painful, you know, and all of this. She's on the couch. And someone comes in and yells, like, the egg toss is about to happen. And Rachel was like, the egg toss? And, like, jumps up off the couch and goes out and, like, gets, like, her and Hudson got, like, fourth in the egg toss or something. Oh, wow. You know, so she um, she just pushed herself for occasions. You know, I think Tarsha probably told you she went to her wedding, which was her last travel, um, other than her, her niece's wedding. But that... Uh, last travel she went to Cabo and she was you know at the end of all these treatments and in the middle of all this stuff and she goes to Cabo to be there for a special day for her friend which was amazing Uh, um and then like she you know she would never give up a chance to go to the beach you know it was like five days before Rachel was dying we were well it was a week and a half before Rachel died that we were in the hospital and a sweet realtor reached out to her and said you can have my house anytime, you know, and it still felt unreal that Rachel would die, right? Like, it was like, oh, I mean, this is just part of the 
the journey, even though we knew what the journey was, it still felt like, you know, like it was Rachel. Plans were in the works, you know. Yeah. And so she um, she was like, oh, yeah, I'll go to the beach. She's texting Dwayne what day she'd go and all of this. And so then she came home. We put her on hospice one night. And then um, she was still like, well, I'm going to the beach tomorrow. So, Mom, you're coming with me. And, like, the boys are coming. And, like, she could hardly move, you know, and was having a hard time even keeping her thoughts together. But she was going to the beach, you know. So I think if, if Rachel would have had seven more days on Earth, she would have been at the beach, like, in that lady's house, like, no... No questions asked, you know, but she didn't have that much time, so it, it didn't end up working out. Yeah. The, um, but then um, I was like, well, I'll go with y'all. She's like, will you please? I was like, yes, of course. I cried. And I was like, oh, my gosh. And, you know, Beaches is like my favorite movie. And I was like, Rachel, are we going to have like a real life Beaches moment? <laughs> like, it was so weird. Like, how was all this happening? But... Um, you know, if you if you would listen to Rachel, ever speak about her boys and her life and God, she did not have any fear of going to heaven. But she didn't really want to leave her boys. We're both at loss for words now. <laughs> wow. Thank you, Jenny. Well, thank you. I'm glad to talk about Rachel because she was really special. Yeah. I could tell just from a distance and even in her pictures um, how great of a mom she was. And I love and I'm thankful, and I know she had this assurance before she left too that she had friends that would still continue forever to be in her boys' lives and be like a second mom to them. So I'm thankful that she has you. Oh, thank you. Oh, that was the other thing I wanted to mention is that Rachel was in the hospital for 30-something days at the end of her life and came home for the last six, I think. But um, she had 24-7 care from her friends and we had a small group of I think there was 18 of us on the message and I think like 16 were able to actually like go up and help and because of COVID you could only do 12-hour shifts which is brutal it's a you know it's a brutal day to do 12 hours at MD Anderson and you're the only one in there um and uh every shift was covered you know by right of course Rachel's mom and Dwayne took a lot of them um but uh, we organized a schedule, you know, I did it at first and then I had to go out of town and my sister stood up and did it and organized um, for all of it after that while I was out of town. And um, it was amazing. So it's like, I don't truly know. I mean, I think that we all know that if it was our daughter or our mom or our family member that, that we would be in there 24 seven, but that wasn't possible. You know, Rachel's mom was, you know, is, is not in the greatest of health, and that those are brutal shifts, and you're in a chair, and I mean, you know, Terry knows it. It's not a, it wasn't comfortable. Then it was sad to watch Rachel in pain and to try to figure out the medications and what the next step was, uh, but everyone did it, and it was like, it was really unbelievable that 
people who are not not family, not um, not required. I mean, there was no like, there was no issue with with this group of ladies, and of course, Dwayne the Great stepping up and going up there and being um, and being a friend and was very selfless. And Rachel knew that. So I think that also always made her feel very like loved. Yeah, that's a testament to who she was too. To have friends like that. Absolutely, absolutely. Thank you, Jenny. Thank you. Hey, Mom. Hi, Cass. (laughs) So thank you for being here and sharing what Rachel means to you. Will you go ahead and tell me how you knew Rachel and what she meant to you? Absolutely. So I was running our real estate brokerage, and I was dating. I'd been divorced about four years and started dating someone. About a year into that, he had told me for a long time, Steve, my now husband, that he had a friend from a support group that he used to belong to that was interested in real estate, and he had given her my name when she had finished her classes to call and talk to us about our real estate brokerage. And I said, okay, well, a a while went by, and I had regular interviews every day, and this girl was in my um, office sitting across from me, and we're talking, and I'm interviewing her, and she was amazing. She was firing questions at me, which I loved. She had a little spunk. And we're getting near the end, and she said, can I ask you a question? And I said, yes. She said, you don't happen to be dating Steve Montgomery. And I said, yes. Wait, you're Rachel, Steve's friend Rachel. And it was so awesome. They had known each other for a long time. Steve had um, actually been at the hospital when she had Camden with some of the support group members to meet him, which was really cool, and he knew Hudson and all the things. But I didn't know Rachel until then. Um, she quickly moved up in her career. She did join our office and she moved up in her career and became one of our um, top producing agents, which meant that I could coach her once a month and consult her in her business. So that's when I really got to know Rachel really well, because I would sit with her. It was supposed to be a 30 minute session, but Rachel and I never went under an hour and I was always late for the next appointment. So I started scheduling more time because uh, it became um, not just real estate. It was never, I'm always coaching the whole person, consulting the whole person. Uh, and so I was learning a lot about what had happened in her life. It was at the time when she was um, actually in the middle of the beginning tough part of her divorce. And um, she would tell me, you know, some of the situations and she knew that I had been through a divorce. Um, and in that process, uh, she ended up also coming to our church because we had a divorce recovery program to kind of check that out. But she ended up doing it at a different church ultimately. Um, but she eventually became a member of my Bible study class that I was teaching in. And so um, we got close that way. Um, because I was consulting with her each month, she told me a lot of things that she, that other realtors in the office didn't know, obviously, because it was just a time to really help her in her whole life of kind of how to get on track. I think Jenny mentioned she was the ultimate procrastinator, and that was definitely the struggle that we had in her business. And she succeeded at such a high level in spite of it, which was always so fun. But we would talk a lot about some of the same things over and over, and you need to do this, and you know, okay, next time when I see you, I'm going to do it. And then she would come back with her lists. She was really big on lists and checking them off and determined to accomplish all the things so we got to be pretty good friends through that. And um, I, you know, I 
some of those sessions, she just came in and cried her eyes out to me just because of the hard times she was going through in her life. Eventually, um, we ended up at an event that had um, several of our friends uh, were doing a um, bridal shower event for one of our agent friends, and we were from all different brokerages. And Rachel came over to talk to me, and she'd been wanting to really lose weight, and she had really started losing the weight, and she was really happy with how she was looking, and she pulled me aside in the kitchen, and she said, I don't think... I'm doing okay though. And I said, why? And she said, I'm having a lot of stomach pain and I have an appointment to get um, a colonoscopy and I know it's going to be bad news. So I've been kind of pushing it off a little bit. And I said, well, why do you think it's going to be bad news? And she told me and we talked about it. And I said, because the agents would come in my office and ask me for prayers a lot of times. So she knew that, that, that I was a resource for that. And I said, I'm going to pray with you and I'm going to pray for you and you keep me posted. And so as soon as she found out, she said, hardly anyone knows this, but I have to tell you because I need you to pray for me. I have cancer. I have colon cancer. And I fell to the floor. Because that was, that was hard. I had seen her go through so many things. And here's this other huge challenge. And then, um, like Jenny said, Fast forward a little bit, and she um, took that picture with Dwayne at the baseball field. And all of us were like, oh, my gosh, because I didn't know Dwayne. I didn't grow up with her. Like they did. Is this a boyfriend? Is this a guy? Or whatever. And anyways, it did turn out to be that situation, and it was so exciting. And it, I agree 100% with what Jenny said. That is what carried her through that first whole time of her cancer initially. And then she... Um, she was so happy and just floating. And it was interesting to watch somebody be fighting such a difficult battle and being in love. I mean, it was amazing. And she always talked about her faith. That was, like like she said, it was just such a core part of her. So it never seemed to make her turn away from God or no. be mad at God or bitter with God that she was going through that. Mm-mm. And we talked about that in the in the in the end parts of her cancer for sure quite a bit because it fascinated me because most of the people that I knew that had difficult journeys with diagnosis cancer and some other things went through that period of really questioning and being angry and if she did she didn't ever you know go at depth the only thing she ever told me about that was believe me sometimes I wonder why and when I get up there it's going to be the first thing I ask him after I ask him about Andy and why he had to take her I'll, I'll ask him why I had cancer and why I had to leave my boys and that was about as much as she said to me about that. Um, her and Dwayne were dating. And Andy, just so our listeners yes. know, was a childhood friend. Yeah, a really close friend that she lost Andy. when she was in college in a, in a car accident. And um, I, it, it was hard, really hard for her, really, for all of them. But it really, I think, as she reflected over her life to me, that was one of the most devastating things in her life that... Um, that happened. And, and in the end, when we were in the hospital taking care of her during that, that 30 day time period, we were very close to the hospital that Andy was at. And Rachel's the one who had to go to the hospital when the car wreck happened. And so she told me all the story at that time. And, um, so you and Jenny reflected, sorry, no, go ahead. I was just going to say, so you and Jenny both mentioned that Dwayne got her through that first part of cancer. So was she cancer free after she went into remission 
and we were so happy because we thought, oh my goodness. One of the things that Jenny said was that about her research, she did that with anything she wanted to know about. She did it with the IVF. She did it with the cancer. Like those doctors would get hammered with her questions. And I loved how in control of her treatment she was and how educated she was about it and medications and all the things. And it really showed me how important it is to, ha- to be your own advocate and have other people advocate for you when you're in hospital situations and going through tough times. There's, there's a lot to be said for knowing what's happening and, and really challenging things if you think they're not right or I, I don't know. It just, it was impressive. It was impressive. And, um, when the cancer came back, that was tough. That was extra tough. Um, and it came back aggressively. Um, so at that point, her focus became fighting that battle. And she was definitely still selling real estate, definitely. But it became about fighting that battle and being there for every minute of the boy's stuff that she could be there for. And um, she pulled on every resource she could. And um, she kept just rallying. Um, as we got closer to... Her, the days where the hospital part was coming um, and the t-shirt event for her birthday. So the group of people who um, bought the t-shirts and we were known as Rachel's warriors and they were, there was tons of people doing that to people who didn't live here. I mean, people all over the country, whether they got a t-shirt or not, you would see her Facebook page and people were praying from everywhere. And she was very open on social media about some of that stuff. So people would know as she could be, um, and then um, as it got down to that 30 days, it started narrowing down to the people who could be at the hospital with her that could dedicate the time that she felt like would make the commitment and, and Jenny and, and Stacy, her sister, could count on. Um, 12 hours is it's not easy at a hospital ever at MD Anderson. It's extra difficult. Um, they are a great hospital but you're walking into a situation where somebody is extremely sick and they need you to do everything. I had lost um, my grandmother and watched her go through end of life. I've lost several of my grandparents, but that one I was part of. And then um, your dad's dad. And I was part of that and that was hard, but there was something about the process with Rachel that was different. And I think it was because Rachel's the first person I knew who lived her life to the finish line. No time wasted. She was going to beat it. She w- she knew that she might not beat it, but that wasn't the attitude she allowed herself to take, which is why she was still making plans for the beach at the last minute. Um, the first couple of times I was at the hospital, the list of medications they were giving her was long. And she was in a lot of pain. And I remember walking in, and I had met her mom, Penny, before. And Penny was coming off the shift as I was coming on to the shift. I was coming on to a night shift. And Rachel looked at her mom, and she'd had three rough days in a row. And I knew they were rough, but I hadn't seen it yet. And she said, Mom, you got a trainer and everything. Go there, go there, go there, do this, do this, do this. And I'm like, whoa. And so I'm just taking it all in and making sure I understand and asking the questions. And Penny was really tired. She might have even done a double shift when I came on. And um, she's like, you got this. You can call me if you need me. I'm like, I got it. So 
Um, Rachel spent a lot of that first hour or so in tremendous pain, and she would tell me what she needed, and you know, you just you just helped her. But she, the whole time it was happening, she would talk about things, and we got to talk about a lot of things. And a lot of what she talked to me about was her faith, the Bible, what she thought about God, because we were to have that in common too. She talked with everyone about it, but we had some kind of deeper conversations because we could reflect back on some of the Bible study classes that we had, that I'd taught in that she'd been in. Even when she was really sick and not supposed to be out in public, she would, our Bible study class would start and I'd be like 10 minutes into a lesson and in the door would walk Rachel. No mask. And I'm like, what are you doing? And she goes, I'm here. I'm like, you're not supposed to be here. She goes, God says I could. I'm here. Okay. I was amazing that she would do that. I thought it was so, and she would leave a few minutes before it ended so she wouldn't get surrounded by a lot of people, but her dedication to her faith walk was really cool. Um, She told me a lot of things in the hospital about, just like Jenny was saying, her boys were everything to her, and she was an amazing mom. She would do anything for them. Those boys were, are so special and had such a close relationship with her, very different from each other, and it's, it was just cool. It was cool to watch her live for them. That's what she was fighting for, was to stay with them as long as she possibly could. Dwayne was a rock for her, definitely. I mean, he was impressive just to know, right, that he meets someone in her situation and stuck to her like that and loved her. And it was really cool. And he and um, I think Jenny and Stacy probably saw the worst of the worst in a lot of ways along with her family members. Um, the second time I was there was only two weeks before she passed and she looked, it was a significant decline from when I had been there before. And that was really hard for me to see. She wanted to go outside and they told her she could. So we loaded up her in that wheelchair and we went outside and there's a garden outside the doors of MD Anderson that has butterflies. And she hadn't been to this particular spot yet. And she saw the sign and she said, oh. I love butterflies. Oh my gosh. And so even though it was kind of hot, we went through um, the butterfly garden and looked at all the different flowers and found the butterflies and found some shade and we took a picture and then um, she got tired. She said, can you take me back inside? I'm like, yep. And I took her back inside. I had brought her a blanket, a prayer blanket. And she told me, I don't know what's going to happen, but I don't think it's going to be good. But I want you to know that I still love Jesus and I must still tell people that and you've got to keep doing it. She told me what a, um, a great Bible study teacher I was and how important it was to keep sharing the message. Just keep sharing it, Terry. It's important. You've got to carry that on. It's, I want it for my boys. I've put everything into them I can. I'm fighting this all the way. <laughs> and then and then she got out of the hospital, and the group of us that were on the hospital um, nights really became really the warriors that really warriors, every single one that I met. And the greatest blessing, and her sister Wendy referenced this at the, at the funeral too, that we inherited this amazing group of friends she had that until then... We knew about, we'd see things of, but we really didn't know each other. And it bonded us in a way that I don't think very many things do. 
But what Rachel taught me the most is how to die well and how to live well and how to follow Jesus in any circumstance and to watch somebody be going through debilitating pain. I mean, just you couldn't even, you just wanted to fix it and you couldn't and still saying how grateful she was to Jesus, how much she loved Jesus, how much she knew he was there and he would be with her boys and he would never leave her and she wasn't afraid to die at all. She just worried about all of us after her was a gift. It was such an honor. I've never felt so honored in my life as I did to help take care of her with everybody and to meet all her awesome tribe from so many years. It truly is unique to have friends for that long and to have so many. She has a ton of them. <laughs> it was really cool. Thank you. Thank you. Gracious, determined, fighter, great mom, faith-filled, just a few of the words used today to describe Rachel. You can tell the kind of woman that she was and the impact that she had on many. It was such an honor to get to hear her God story through some of her closest friends. What a special episode. What a special woman that we know is just smiling so big with Jesus right now. I hope this blessed you like it blessed me. Thanks for listening, guys. Have a great day.